Let's pray. Father, I pray you would bless your word, anoint your servant, that I would remain conscious of the people and needs here. To the sermon you have given me, Lord God, that we would bring it out where the youngest to the eldest, saved, Lord God, and physically would be able to understand it and hide it in their heart that we would not sin against you. Illuminate our minds here, Jesus, and let it again, let this word be a sediment. This is like a teaching, preaching, Lord God. Enable us to become the Christians you desire us to be. May we leave this place tonight more firmly founded and grounded in your word. And then use it for your honor and glory. We bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody together said, Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Keep your Bibles handy. I'm not going to go to an opening scripture. I'm going to, I have it here, but I'm going to wait and use it in just a little while. But uh, I need to remind you that uh, the new members class begins this Friday. This Friday, Kent Manuel and Yolanda's house. Manuel and Yolanda, why don't you both stand? Okay, it begins at their house. We had a graduating class this past Sunday. Amen. It was a good, good class. Amen. But we want to see another class. The class of 99. Amen. 99B. And uh, so you're able to go and take the newcomer's class. Very important class. If you're a new convert or if you're a new member. Maybe you've been saved a while, but you're a new member. It's important that you, you grasp our heart, where we're coming from. Matter of fact, the sermon is going to be about heart. And so it's very vital that we, we understand that. Because God looks at the heart. Not necessarily the mind. We might have all kinds of knowledge. But we need the heart. You need to pick up the heart of this ministry. And it's very vital. Very important. Uh, you know, this is a completely different ministry than, than uh, some others that you may have belonged to in the past. Some of you that are, if you're new or you're transferring, this, this is different. Uh, uh, this is mainstream victory outreach. We, we, we're, we're right there. We're like the Marines by and large. And uh, so if you're going to be a Marine, you've got to be prepared. Uh, I mean, the Marines do a lot of heavy, heavy work. I mean, we're not fooling around either. We go to, you know, India. We go to Hayward. Hallelujah. We go to Hayward. We go to Hayward. We go to San Lorenzo. We go to Manila. Hallelujah. We go to all kinds of... All points in the compass, taking the gospel. The title of my sermon for tonight is The Silence of the Lamb. I have a sermon entitled The Silence of the Lambs. This one is entitled The Silence of the Lamb. Capital T-H-E, capital L-A-M-B. The Silence of the Lamb. Now, whenever we read a book or maybe look at a movie, okay, if that movie or if that book is a fast-paced kind of a book or a fast-paced kind of a, a movie, you know, like those thrillers, those suspenseful ones, uh, those, those thrillers, those, those, those quick, the action movies, uh, you know, uh, Schwarzenegger and Ed Morales' kind, hallelujah, uh, then thrillers, action, uh, then because of the quick current of the writer or of the writing of that movie or of that book, we, the audience, we only see what is there at face value because it's too quick. We only see what we see there, all right, because they're very fast. We only see what we might label the obvious because of the pace being so fast and so quick. But whenever we're writing, excuse me, or whenever we're reading or viewing one of those slow, suspenseful kind of movies or one of those books, since the pace is so slow, okay, we thus have time to try and figure out What's going to be the plot? What's going to happen with the book or with the movie? Okay? We have time to read between the lines, to ask questions. You ever see some of those, like, one of my favorite movies is DOA. My wife knows that. A powerful, you know. Uh, Shattered. You ever seen those? Shattered, that movie? Uh, DOA. I like those kind of movies, you know. Uh, 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 you know, they're, 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 they're suspenseful, but they're slow. 
slow. Whenever I tell somebody, it's a good movie, but it's slow. And you can got all the time to ask questions, to figure, like, right now I'm slowing down, see? Now you say, ooh, what's he up to? See, see? You're asking questions. In the beginning, you couldn't ask nothing. You were just staying with me. Because I was moving quick. Hallelujah. Uh, see, and we have time to ask not only why did this happen, but we have the opportunity to ask, and this is the key to the sermon, when it's a, when it's a slow movie, okay? Why this or that didn't happen? When? Don't let, don't let me lose you now. When it's a fast-paced movie or, or book, you can't ask too many questions. But when it's slow, you have a lot of time to ask questions. And you can ask not only why did this happen, but you can ask why didn't this happen? Okay? How come this wasn't there? How come that wasn't there? And it's expensive. Sometimes like Alfred Hitchcock used to be, Rod Serling used to be, these old-time writers. They let you think like, how come they didn't do that? How come this didn't happen? Okay? Why this or that? Why was it left out? It's sort of like when you come to church on a Sunday morning service. Uh, it's so fast-paced. You really only notice who's here. It's hard to notice who's not here. Wednesday's a little bit more, okay, you can sort of check out a little bit, you know. But Sunday mornings, wham, we got a program. It's all, it's all over. Just, you know, two and a half hours? Was that, I was here for two and a half hours? But it was so fast. You only have time to notice, you know, who, who was there. Not really, until you get home out. Then, you know, where was so-and-so? That's what we do. Come on, where so-and-so was. He didn't come. Uh, after you slow down a little bit. Uh, and with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the very same principles applies. They are written so fast-paced, okay, that the Gospels flow real fast. They're charged with life. They radiate, my friend, with love. They're rich in action, and they race with spirit. The Gospels are quick. By and large, they're pretty fast. And things like this, my friend, they move so fast that it's all so easy to forget. Are you with me? You forget. You don't notice things that are left out hardly at all. Because you're reading the Bible and you're caught up in it. The Gospels are so quick, you don't notice what's left out. Now, I said all of that, okay, hopefully at a slow enough pace, to say this. That the Gospels are so quick... That while we can easily notice things that Jesus did, we can easily notice things that Jesus said. Okay, it's much too difficult to notice what Jesus didn't say, what Jesus didn't do. Because they're so fast. Look what he did, look what he did. He's healing this. And the Bible says, and then he went over here, and then he got on a boat, and then he went over here on a ship, and then he taught over here, and then he, then he, it just quit. So we see a lot of things that Jesus did. We, we, we read a lot of things that Jesus said. But we don't see the things that he didn't say. We don't read the things that he didn't do. And tonight, we're going to be looking at those very things that Jesus didn't do. The things that Jesus didn't say. The omissions of Christ. If you're taking notes, you can call them the refusals of Christ. The things Jesus didn't say. The things Jesus didn't do. Are you with me? See, some things, it's hard to to catch in the Gospels because they're so fast-paced. There are some pretty heavy lessons within the refusals of Christ. And we're going to look at a few here today. There's some heavy lessons here. Okay. The silence of the Lamb, if you will. The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. We're going to look at some of His silences. His refusals. His omissions. That we don't really see there. It's hard to catch in the Gospels. Now, what were some of Christ's refusals? Some of His silences. Number one. The first thing that I want to cover. I'm going to cover four of them here tonight. 
Number one, the first thing we're going to look at is that sometimes Jesus refused to work miracles. Number one, if you're taking notes, what did he refuse? Four refusals. Number one is he refused to work miracles at times. But why? Why? See, remember in the very outset in the beginning of Christ's ministry, when he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted? Listen, sometimes when you're tempted, don't think, the devil made me do it. But it says, devil, Jesus was led by the devil to the wilderness to be tempted? No. It says he was led by the Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted. So sometimes God takes you over there to see where you're at. Uh, but when he was there in the wilderness, it says that Satan came and charged Jesus that if he was the Son of God and if he was hungry, then why not do a miracle and turn the stones into tortillas? I just want to wake you up. Uh, he says, hey, if, if you're the Son of God and if you're hungry, turn these stones into bread. Do a miracle. And now, a little bit later, Jesus was going to feed the 5,000 men. He was going to do a miracle. He was going to feed them bread. He was going to feed them fish. A little bit later on. Okay? But not so this time. Funny, but in the beginning of his ministry, he started by refusing to do a miracle. But why not? Why didn't he do the miracle? Why not show Satan up and turn that rock into bread? Why does Jesus say instead, man shall not live you know, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Why does he do that? See, Christ's ministry was to be a ministry of many miracles. Yes, it was. Yet he begins his ministry by refusing to do a miracle. Paradox. Found in God's word. Uh, he refuses. See, Jesus refused to use the powers that the Father had given to him. That God had given him to use for others. Jesus refused to use those very same powers for himself. I've told you, this thing, this Bible, will annihilate selfishness. And Jesus was the epitome. God the Father had given him power. We've been given power to tread upon serpents and scorpions. And cucarachas, hallelujah. Ah, throw that one in. Ah. But he had all kinds of power. Yet he refused. Because it wasn't for himself. The miracle was, you know, he didn't want to do a miracle for himself. The power was given to him. For other people, for others. Uh, Jesus came for the good and for the benefit of others, not for himself. He came not to be ministered unto the Bible, says, but to minister. It didn't come for me. The miracles aren't for me. Uh, he would do a miracle to feed others, but himself he wouldn't feed. The Bible says when Judas came to betray him, and while he was on the cross, that the Bible says he could have called a legion of angels, 10,000 angels, if he wanted to. But instead, he saved others. Himself he didn't save. He refused to do miracles at times when it would, not be, when it would only benefit himself and not others. God, talk about it, being unselfish. Uh, man. It's not, it's not to say that he couldn't do a miracle. It's that he wouldn't do the miracle. So when it came to miracles, for himself, he refused. He was silent. The silent of the lamb. The second refusal we're going to see. Sometimes he refused to do miracles. Secondly, sometimes he refused to answer prayer. Sometimes. Look at Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Do you have it? Beginning in verse 1. 
they went across the lake to the region of the gatherings. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived on the tombs, in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Verse 9. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. Down to verse 11. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. Jump down to verse 17. Then the people began to plead or pray with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, in other words, he was leaving, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him or prayed to him, Jesus, to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Here in this portion of scripture that we've covered, and I did it at length for a reason. Okay? Here we see demons pray to Jesus and Jesus answers their request. Demons. Huh? They get to go into the pigs. Please let us go into the pigs, we plead. He says, okay, I'll give you permission. To the demons, he answers prayer. And then the Bible says that the people of the city of Gadara, they prayed to Jesus for Jesus to leave their region, their, their city, their area. And they get their request. The Bible says he gets in the boat and he's leaving. Jesus leaves. But when the man who was possessed prays to Jesus, who's been delivered now, to be able to follow him and to go with him, Jesus refuses to answer that man's prayer. See, sometimes Christ refuses his, his prayers, our prayers to him as well. But why? How come? Why does he do this? See, Jesus told the delivered demoniac to go home and to show himself to his family. Now, I can imagine that pretty much nearly broke the guy's heart. In other words, he sees demons get their answers to prayer. He sees the people get their answered prayer. And he says, man, I'm a Christian. Now certainly God's going to answer my prayer. Yeah, right, Kenneth Hagin. Not all the time, Kenneth Copeland. Not all the time. Sorry, bro. Uh, I don't care how much faith you got. Uh, no, 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 no. Jesus, you know, you can't. Jesus knows what he's doing. He does it for a reason. He does it for a purpose. Uh, and I'm going to show you one of the reasons the purpose is right now. But I can imagine this guy was heartbroken. Man. Uh, man, is that right? The demons get their answer prayer. The people get their answer And I'm a Christian. Newborn baby. At that. And Jesus refuses me. My requests. Uh, see, it would have been a great and noble honor for this man to have gone with, with Christ. Yes, it would have. He jumped at the opportunity. He wanted to follow him. He would have been a great disciple for Jesus. But, and mark this well, men are saved to serve, not necessarily to enjoy. Men are saved to serve, not necessarily to enjoy. Did you hear me, man? You need to understand that. You know, it's not all going to be merrily, merrily, merrily. Life is but a dream. Peaches and cream and all that stuff. No, it's not. 
Ah. See, and service, just like love, is to begin at home. Love begins at home. Service is to begin at home. That's why he sent him back to his family. Can you imagine the look on the face of the, the man's wife when he comes marching home? And he's like, oh, like before, like some of you uh, before. Uh, he comes walking home. Matilda, I'm home. It's Harold. Uh, wow, look at him. Uh, he's no longer there. Is that really you? Yes. He looks so nice, clean shaven. And I brush my teeth. <laughs> Give me a kiss, honey. Uh, can you imagine the look on his wife's face? Or how about his parents? How about his parents? Uh, some of you, man, I, I, I know some of you, your parents are here today and they come to this church because you went into the home or you started coming to this church and God delivered you, God did a miracle. Man, your parents are like, wow. I, mean, I, I love to see parents when they, when they see their sons, you know, finally doing what they were supposed to do. They're all happy. Uh, or no, forget the wife, forget the parents. How about the look on the face of the children when he came home? Mom, is that dad? Is that dad? That's your dad. Come and see him. You know, they're a little afraid. But t- trust me, because I've seen this happen before. They're happy. All of a sudden, hope comes back into their heart. My God, my dad. He's back. Uh, you know, in India, we only have one church there. But when I was putting the sermon together, I, all of a sudden I thought, no wonder we're having a lot of people know Tony in India. Because if you ever heard Pastor Sonny in his tapes or even at the World Conference when he talks about Tony in India, he says, oh, this man was deported back from London to India. No, he wasn't. I mean, I don't want to say that Sonny's a liar. He's not. Just that he didn't quite understand. But he says, no, I wasn't deported back, Steve. He says, Pastor, Tony, uh, Pastor Brian in London said, I need to go back and get together with my family. He says, I came back on my own free will. He says, I was on the run for eight years. Spent so many years in Greece, so many years in London, different places, he said. Because I, had, I, had, I owed a lot of bills. I owed a lot of money. I burned a lot of people in India. I didn't want to go back to India. But God sent me back to India. And he says, I asked him, how was it when you got off the plane? He goes, oh. He says, my son, when I left, was only like four months old. He says, but you know that when I got out of the plane, when I was coming down the ramp, he spotted me. He was the first one to me. He says, mom, that's dad. Because he used to see the pictures. He said, Mom, that's Dad. And he ran. Little Reuben, good kid, uh, drummer. And he ran to his father. I mean, that's what happens. That's why sometimes God refuses prayer. Matter of fact, matter of fact I better send this tape to Tony. Hallelujah. Uh, that's why God refused him to keep him and to send him back to India and not to keep him there in London. See, no one could have preached a mightier sermon in the region of the gatherings there than the return of that man. Even in India, our very first church, everybody knows that that family has been restored all because of Jesus and the ministry of Victory Outreach. I was wondering, why is there so much respect for our ministry? Where it's a small little church. It's not very many people. But then all of a sudden, I said, no wonder because of this. The guy returned back and God used this ministry. Nobody else could have done that. And so they're honoring what Christ was able to do through our ministry. See, Christ was not being harsh in refusing this man's prayer. It was all for the interest of God's kingdom. Uh, and we need to understand that. See, God had Peter, James, and John in the region of Galilee. But he, he wanted this man 
in the region of the gatherings. Are you with me? See, sometimes there's people that nearly anything they ask for in prayer they get. You ever see those kind of people? After you're tired of being jealous and envious for a few years, you finally snap and you decide to hang around with them. <laughs> uh, everything they ask for. Hey, man, hey, brother, let's hang around with them. Cars start when she prays. Hallelujah, pow. Uh, all these things start to happen no matter what. Uh, but then there's others. Could be you, could be I, could be some of us. Others that have our prayers refused. Doesn't that seem harsh? Man. Don't hang around with Steve, man. He, he hasn't had a church for 17 years. Uh, seems a little harsh, a little bad. But the Bible says, the very stone that the builders rejected, the very stone that the builders refused, really, that rock became the chief cornerstone. And how about Jesus' own prayer in Gethsemane? Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. But the very refusal of that prayer has resulted in the potential salvation of the entire planet. I got to say that again because I, I think I left you. Jesus prayed himself, Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. And get, instead of going to the cross. But what if God would have answered that prayer? It would have been terrible. Nobody would have been able to get saved. Thank God for refusals of prayer sometime. Because the whole salvation of this planet hinged on God not answering that prayer. Pretty heavy, huh? See, we are saved to serve. We're not bought with the precious and expensive blood of Jesus to be happy, just to be happy. We're not. Uh, thus, my friend, the things that we may most often crave, they have to be refused by God to us in order that we may serve better. Ah. Uh, Remember the, the Apostle Paul, he prayed three times. If it be possible, take, you know, the, this, this, this thorn in the flesh from me, Jesus. Three times he asked, three times he was refused. Um, some people say he had a problem with his eyes. He had a heavy, heavy problem with his eyes. He was refused. I believe Jesus says, uh-uh, forget about you seeing. I want you to see my grace. Forget about seeing the natural. I want you to see my grace, which is sufficient for you. And boy, did he see God's grace. Boy, did he have a heavy understanding of the grace of God. Uh, the third thing, the third thing that Jesus often refused was that he, re, sometimes he refused to explain things. Look at Luke chapter 20. Luke chapter 20. Sometimes he wouldn't explain things. That's why that song says, there's a song, old time religion song. And it's also in the Bible, the scriptures, and revelations. And you'll understand it better by and by. By and by, when the morning comes, you're coming. We'll understand it better by and by. Oh, by and by. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hallelujah. I hear it here. I don't know if you can hear it out here, you know, but I hear it here. Just hard to come out here, you know. <laughs> uh, we see through a glass darkly. Hallelujah. All right. Luke chapter 20, beginning in verse 1, says One day as he was teaching the people in the temple, courts and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. Tell us by what authority you are doing these things, they asked. He's talking about the miracles that he was doing. Who gave you this authority, this permission? He replied, I will also ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or from men? 
They discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, Why did you believe him? If we say from men, all the people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered, We don't know where it was from. Jesus said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. The silence of the Lamb. Ah. Look at verse 19. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them. But they were afraid of the what? Of the what? The people. See, when the so-called noble and important people, when they asked Jesus a question, here in this portion of Scripture, in Luke 20, he himself asked them a question, and he refuses to answer their question. And the reason that he did this was very simple. See, the common regular people, the common folks, they didn't come to Jesus asking these kind of questions. Not at all. They received him. They believed him. They were, the people believed Jesus. The simple people. Simple faith. Childlike people. Oh, but those ones with the... You ever seen those kinds? I talked about on Sunday. The ones with the first degree from Stanford. The second degree from Cal. And what happens when they come to Victor Outreach? We give them the third degree. Hallelujah. And it's hard to pass that one. Uh, see, you got to stay simple as come as a little child. But these people, they're over here from the mind. The mind, the mind, the mind. And when they come from the mind, you know, they ask all these hard questions. Jesus will shine them on when they come like that. Because they simply, in faith, the simple folks, and with their heart, uh, they believed Jesus and they received Jesus because they came to Christ, the simple people, with their hearts. But the Sadducees and the scribes and the Pharisees, they came to Jesus with their minds only. That's it. Just with their mind. They come like this. You ever see those people that are not saved trying to read the Bible? Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Gobble, gobble, gobble. They, come, they come with a mind. Uh, if you confess the Lord Jesus with your mouth and believe with your heart, uh, God is raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's the heart. Uh, see, in coming with their minds, the Pharisees, uh, and they came with their minds only, and not opening their hearts to Jesus, they come only to find fault. That's what, that's what they're doing here. They, they come to find fault with Jesus. They don't come to confess their faults. They come to find fault. The only one that God will take is the one that comes to confess his fault, not to find fault in Jesus. But a lot of people do that. Uh, to that type of fault-finding spirit and fault-finding people, Jesus will not even give them the satisfaction of an answer. The refusals. He'll shine them on. He will not even give them the time of eternity. It is to the open, yielded, and willing heart God will even run to, the scriptures say. A broken and a contrite heart, the Bible says in Psalms, he will in no wise cast out. But it has to be a broken and a contrite heart. But if you come to God with, you know, ready. Aha, there is no God. You come ready for all these, you know, all these mind stuff. He ain't gonna, he gonna, he's going to shine you on. You got to come with this, with an open ticker. An open heart. Ah. But to the proud, to the lifted up mind, God will shun from. He'll refuse them. The silence of the Lamb. 
Only in becoming as a little child can you enter the kingdom of heaven. Not proud. Fourth and lastly, the fourth and final refusal of Jesus that we're going to cover tonight is the refusal that Jesus had on the cross to drink the cup of wine that was mixed with myrrh. You read about that in the scriptures? He refused to drink that cup, okay, that was offered to him on the cross. That was like wine mixed with myrrh. And they used to give it to people that, you know, if they were dying uh, horrible deaths, if their death was being a little tragic, then somebody there would say, you know what, man, we will, you know, let, let, let's try and put him out of his misery a little bit here. Let's try and help him out. But he refused to drink it. Uh, now, the cup was offered in good manner, in good taste, if you will. But he wouldn't even taste it. Okay? See, it would dull the senses in the hour of torture. It was really a kind of good gesture to Jesus. They were trying to help him out. Yet he refuses. Why does he refuse? Why? I'll tell you why. Because he'd come to suffer. He'd come to die. And he wanted to go down right. Like the captain that goes down with a ship. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. This is going to be my opening scripture. Hebrews chapter 2. I want to read it out of the King James. I like the translation of the King James a whole lot better. Hebrews 2, verses 9 and 10. See, Jesus came to suffer. That we might know him, Paul says, and the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Jesus was no sissy. By no means. I mean, hey, if you grew up in the neighborhood, you know what I'm talking about. You, used to, you wanted to follow guys that had guts. You wanted to follow guys that, hey, 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 you know what? When time came to get down, they get down. They're not going to run. Yeah. Man, I, I never ran. I would have hated to have a reputation of, ooh, the guy ran, Holmes. Huh? No. Even if you were going to, if you're going to die, at least he'll talk good about you. Uh, but you've got to stand there and take it. That's the way Jesus was. He wasn't a runner. Uh, he, you know, even, even when they tried, wanted to pass him that, 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 you know, that murder, that, the thing to try and calm him down. Null him down. And, you know, he said, no. I am the captain of the ship. And I'm going to do this right. Uh-uh. uh-uh. I refuse. Him. Thanks, but no thanks. Do you have Hebrews chapter 2? Look at verses 9 and 10. Powerful scriptures. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the what? For the what? Suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death. Not the myrrh, not the, not the vinegar, not the myrrh. That he might taste death for who? For everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory. To make the what? The what? The captain of their salvation perfect through what? To make the captain of their salvation uh, through suffering. That's how you get to be the captain. That's, he was like a captain of a ship. He said, I'm going to go down correctly. I'm going to go down the right way. See, my friend, in the hour of battle, the captain had to be sharp. He had to be wide awake. Not like some of you here tonight. Pow, 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 pow. 
Are you really into the word? Uh, uh, you you got to be like this. You got to be like this. Any good leader is always like that. Uh, if you want to be a good leader, you got you to be like that. Really, I'm going to tell you something. If you fall asleep during the preaching, you know, more than 0.5% of the time, maybe 5%, 0.5, half a percent, maybe you could do it. But you're not going to be a good leader. I know, I know, because I've, 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 I've been through many, many sermons, and I don't fall asleep. I don't, I mean, because that, the leader has to, you never know what God's going to do. Because uh, the leader has to be wide awake. He has to be sharp. That's why he says, no, 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 I can't take that thing. It'll dull my senses. This is the final battle, man. This is it. This is the win. This is the war. I'm going down with a ship. And I got to be sharp, man. No, no, no. I got to be at my wits, you know, ready. Ready to fight. See, in that final battle, the leader could not be sleeping. Jesus loved and Jesus suffered till the very end. To the end. What a captain. Ah. See, from the time that he began his ministry in the wilderness, the first refusal that I, that I talked about. Remember, Jesus began his ministry not with a miracle, but refusing to, be, to do a miracle. From the very beginning of his ministry there in the wilderness, when he refused to turn the stones into bread, until the very end, until the cross, Christ refused anything that maybe, yes, could have, you know, made things a little bit easier and softer for himself. But for your sake, for my sake, for our sake, he refused. It was for our sake. He goes, no, 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 no. If I get that thing right there, you never know. You never know. It's because I know what's going to happen back in the 1960s. There's going to be a lot of drug addicts. And I know how they're going to operate. And if I get like that at the end, ooh, la la so soon. No, I got to go to the cross. Uh, they might crucify me with my head towards the wrong way or something. Can't do that. Got to stay alert. Got to stay alive. See, my friend, he refused. He refused willingly for you and for me. See, if Christ has never won your heart, if Christ has never won your life, if he's never won your commitment by what he did, perhaps in what he didn't do, perhaps in his refusals and what he didn't say, prayerfully, that's why I have the sermon. Maybe that can get to you. Maybe he'll win your commitment. Maybe he'll win your life. Not by what he did, but by what he didn't do. He did these all for you. Or should I say, he didn't do all these things for you. To win your commitment. To win your allegiance. To win your all in all. He pleased not himself, the Bible says, in order to please you. And if all that Jesus did in refusing, if that doesn't please you, then sir, ma'am, you're a hard person to please. I gotta, I gotta say that again. If all that Jesus did in refusing, these four refusals that I've talked about, if that doesn't please you, then you're a hard person to please. Because he did it all for you. He refused these things for you. Because he wanted to please you. And if that doesn't please you, then something's wrong with your tick. Man, you're probably going to end up in hell. Because you're a hard person to please. He did it all for you. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. He did it all 
for us. He didn't please himself. He could have done that miracle, but he didn't do it for himself. He could have turned the stones into bread, but the power that was given him was not for himself. He didn't use it on himself. He did the miracles for you. He refused the scribes and the Pharisees because he would only receive people that would humble themselves. Then he'll do all that he can for you. A broken and a contrite spirit I will not in no wise cast out, the Bible says. And refuse to take the wine and the myrrh because he was a captain in suffering for you. He came to minister, not to be ministered unto. He came to die on the cross for you and I. As every head is bowed and every eye closed. I want to pray for those of you that say, Brother Steve, I don't want to be hard to please.